On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Keenan Wyrobeck. He is co-founder and CTO of Zipline. We're going to be talking about the unique background of managing hardware and software, that intersection, but also it's a very mission-critical project product. And I'd like to kind of understand the, the challenges, the solutions, the design choices along the way. I'm sure building a team with a, with a product like this is um, definitely got its challenges. So excited to have Keenan on uh, to talk to us. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Keenan. Yeah, absolutely, Amir. Great to be speaking with you. I, I, I was immediately drawn to your resume, engineer turned recruiter. I think the, the thing we don't talk about is, you know, the real job of a founder is an engineer who has to turn into a recruiter. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the you know, not not to downplay like amazing recruiting partners who now work, you know, with me and support our teams in huge ways. Still half my time is, is you know, in recruiting and really finding the amazing people required to actually pull something like this off. Yeah, I, it's, you know, uh, that, that could be a whole episode as to what, what my logic was to get into. But actually, it was it was that uh, I think actually the talent side, especially when it comes to, you know, a lot of the engineering leaders I talk to, it's it's about a third of their time. Uh, and we'll kind of dive in and talk a little bit about that. Um, and before we do, to make sure we set context for everyone, uh, obviously, your co-founder CTO, so I'll, I'm sure people know what you do. I'd like everyone to kind of understand what Zipline does as a product, because I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about in the context of the conversation um, kind of revolves around this unique you know, product and, and 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 what's gone into it and kind of, you know, I love the mission behind it, honestly. So I, I'd love to kind of touch on some of those things before we dive into some of those team building challenges and, and some of the, the engineering leadership things you're doing there. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, the quick overview is, you know, Zipline's a drone delivery company and we, uh, we started in medical supplies, um, and now uh, we're taking that same value of on-demand delivery, and we call it instant delivery, to revolutionize both goods delivery as well as good food delivery. Um, and, uh, you know, that, this is what we do. We started in Africa. We're now in seven countries. Um, my favorite stat about our scale today is that we buy the equivalent of between three and four times the equator of the Earth every single day in operations. And... Um, yeah, sort of in a nutshell, that's what we do. Now, we started with this platform. If you've seen our website, uh, I highly recommend you check it out. But basically, you know, it's a fixed-wing platform. It looks like a large RC plane. It's great for going from a metro area and serving the surrounding you know, cities and, and countryside. And it delivers by flying over delivery site and then dropping a package. It looks like a cake box with a little paper parachute that then floats down uh, into your, uh, well, to, to your hospital clinic or home. Anyway, and then we, we, we announced back in March, which I've spent a huge amount of time on the last uh, three plus years, is this new platform, which is really answering our customers' requests for, hey, can you deliver to more homes and in metro areas? Which, as you can imagine, when you're you know uh, floating a package down, it takes a little bit of space, a couple of parking spots for space to deliver into, and most homes and certainly in metro areas, you don't have that space. And this new platform basically is phenomenally precise, so it can deliver to nearly any address in a metro area outside of like the really tall high rise, and, uh, and it can do it you know just like our current platform, incredibly quietly and in a way that just is delightful. So, yeah, that's that sort of zipline and our, our basically product uh, mix in a nutshell. It, 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 it sounds so easy that, uh, you know, it just kind of hovers down and drops down. And I mean, I, I, it, you know, I think I've had some people from some, some autonomous vehicle companies on, and we've talked about, you know, their, their complexity. I think what I'm thinking about drones and delivering, you know, talking about, you know, delivering Africa, mess into Africa to remote areas, let alone homes. Um, there's got to be 
uh, a lot that goes into ensuring uh, safety, accuracy, dependability, reliability. Some there's some FAA private compliance, which I don't even know. I mean, I'm just guessing at this point, but I'm assuming you're, you're flying something in the air. So it seems like it's a massive intersection of hardware and software. But then obviously the mission and the value that's being delivered is obviously really high. And 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 that's something obviously people are asking for. When you're kind of looking at the product, and obviously if you're taking a second to look back as to where you started and kind of where you're at now, did you first, when you started thinking, hey, this, this product, we're going to do this, that mission, and where you're at now, was that something that you were like, you know what, we're going to try this, we're going to see if we can do it? Or was there like, hey... We're going to go through every barrier, no matter what. We're going to we're going to make this product functional. We're going to make it work. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, like, I did something at Zipline that I haven't actually done in any other thing I've started, and which is really to, before doing any tech development, really get out and and and, and really meet real potential customers and spend a lot of time with them. And to be clear, did that for a whole bunch of potential products that did not you know, become Zipline. There were other things. Um, until finding both my who became my co-founder uh, co-founders as well as as well as this but this particular app, you know application spent a bunch of time in Central America and Africa based on the suggestion of family and friends who were like hey we hear about these health campaigns that get stuck on logistics can you go you know, maybe you know at the time Amazon announced drones for delivery you know maybe maybe drones can be the solution here now to be clear when I on these trips I fully expected to go out and learn a ton about this and find a million reasons why drones would never actually be the solution because uh, I don't know I guess I'm inherently skeptical and I'm 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 v- I think one of my superpowers is I'm not an early adopter. Like I, I want my tech to just freaking work. So I always like, I'm not willing to put up with stuff that doesn't work well, which is great when you're making products for customers beyond the early adopters anyway. And so in, in these travels, you know, it, it was, it, it was as, as we got deeper and deeper in this world of healthcare logistics, get to, got to know more people understood the, the magnitude of the problem, but also that there, you know, that there were supplies available and the demand was there. Uh, and really it was just as a, you know, I remember visiting this, this uh this wells warehouse in a country i probably shouldn't name but we were getting this tour of this medical supply warehouse and uh we're outside the warehouse and there are boxes like maybe two stories high and like two football fields worth of these boxes just outside and i was you know, talking to the person walking next to me like hey what what's the deal with these medical supplies outside why aren't they inside the warehouse didn't get an answer didn't get a little bit weird a little cagey anyway after after the tour as i was saying goodbye this person pulled me aside and he's like you know, the, we're not supposed to talk about this, but that's all expired medicine. Um, that's why it's outside. And it was kind of like, it was one of those moments, it was part of that journey of like, whoa, okay, if we can get these supplies from point A to point B, we can actually have a massive impact. Um, yeah. And so for me, like that was a bit of, that was a bit flip. We had real customers who I deeply understood. And I had the conviction from that understanding of like, yeah, there's a solution here. And then I, for me, it's kind of a bit flip in my head of like, okay, I'm no longer in like, how, why shouldn't we do this? And now it's like, all right, we got to figure out how to do it. And yeah, <laughs> everything about the journey that came next was, was harder than expected, but, but uh, you know, it's working. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty compelling. Obviously, you know, the, it's, it, it, it kind of must've pulled on your heartstrings that then again, the mission of the company and, and everything you've done kind of stems from, from what you just described. I guess uh, you know. I was kind of curious as you kind of stood there looking at these boxes, these expired you know, medicines. You know, the flip in your mind. You're like, hey, why not? How can I? Do you start piecing together like in your mind? Are you trying to map through 
the, the various pieces that go in here, you're probably thinking, well, something's got to potentially get it there. We need the accuracy of the software. I mean, obviously you have a background in, uh, you know, ro- robotics. Um, how, how does your mind start running through that? Because obviously, you know, now you're go- now you've moved to, hey, I'd like to solve this problem. Is it a hardware and software problem? Or were you focused on, hey, maybe it's going to be one or the other? What were your thoughts originally? I mean, that's a great question. Wow, going back in time a little bit. I, so I'm definitely a to-do list person. I immediately start right now, like, what, what would it take to build this system? Like, what are all the pieces? What are the hard parts? Um, from that, like, there's for me, there's a million questions of like, oh, I got to go ask, I got to go learn more about this part of what, you know, how the customer operation works and this part of how X and Y works. And so a lot of that sparks going deeper with the customers to really understand more. Um, but right off the bat, I had sort of, there was kind of two two things that were really clear. You know, for this our platform one, this long range platform, it was really clear two things that mattered. We needed to have very low cost uh, per delivery, and we and we needed to fly as far as possible. Uh, and it was like, all right, well, hey, that the only way, if you, you know, you probably heard, like a lot of the drones that you picture with the hover rotors and stuff like that. You know, they don't, they're not very efficient flyers. So it was like, all right, is is there a way to do this with a fixed wing vehicle that you know is really freaking efficient? Basically, this going to get you that low cost at, at unbelievably great range. Um, is there ways to way to deliver that will actually work? And like immediately it was like making prototypes of packages and hucking them over the fences of these, of these clinics around the world and trying to watch the doctor's reaction for like, you know, were they like, cool. Or like, you know, absolutely not. And to be clear, early prototypes of that, they were absolutely not <laughs> is their reaction. We eventually figured out, you know, what was required there. So there's a lot of that. And then there's just a lot of learning too. Another big, assu- the other big assumption I had there was like, cool, somebody must make a drone. I can just go buy you know, modify with a little package delivery thing on its belly and get, you know, start serving a customer and learn more about this. Um, and to be clear, that was a terrible assumption. Um, you know, talked to many companies building drones and and I still remember the best quote I ever got was uh, a drone for $200,000 per drone with a 200 flight warranty if I did not fly it in the rain. And to be clear, our customers, we fly in the rain almost every day <laughs> and, and 200,000 divided by $200, uh, the economics don't work even a little bit. Um, and that, that was a bit of one of those bumps in the road where, you know, it's like, all right, Hey, there's a way to get started here really lean. Uh, and then the reality was like, Nope, <laughs> we, we're gonna have to do this. We have to do more of this ourselves than we expected. And, and that's been a journey across the board. You know, I think that if you had told me back then, we'd be doing our own weather forecasting, which we do today. Uh, you know, I would have been like, well, why would we do that? I'm sure someone can sell us the right weather forecasting at the right time. But that's just one of the many pieces of the puzzle we've had to mature over the years to enable this kind of scale, this kind of safety and reliability. It may, maybe this is the wrong analogy, but, but maybe you can correct me. But it almost seems as though you're you're like a little mini Boeing. Like obviously they make you know seven seven X you know jets at the the seven thirty seven the the maximum whatever they want. It almost sounds like you know you are like a miniature version of that, but building these last mile. Drones. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm calling it the wrong the wrong thing. That have all these tolerances that can still go a long distance. You just mentioned you have to deal with the weather, uh, and obviously you have to worry about the you know the the, the plane itself. I mean, this little drone that you guys have made to to fly safely, come back. Is that am I wrong, or I'm just because I'm trying to put in context like the it seems a lot more complex. Even just when we were talking about it two seconds ago, you mentioned weather. I'm like. Wow, this is a lot more to it than just hey, let's let's figure out this drone thing. Oh, absolutely. I I think there's, you know, 
from a from a like a team skill set point of view, you know, there, we have a lot of Boeing DNA at, at, at Zipline. But we also have a lot of other company DNA. A lot from where I started my career in medical robotics and places like Tesla and SpaceX. And I think a lot of it is basically you have to achieve the same things that people like Boeing achieve, right? Like you know, we fly over people and we got to do that safely, right? And if if we're you know uh, if we're not doing that safely and people don't trust us, just like they would trust a Boeing, like we're not going to get to do this. Uh, not to mention, it wouldn't you know we wouldn't be thinking we wouldn't be taking the, our sort of ethical responsibility properly. Yeah, at the same time, you know, this is a, this is an autonomous system you know, and from the ground up, and so you know that's not something in Boeing's DNA. And uh, you know, rethinking how do you write software? How do you validate and make sure your software is reliable? Uh, you know, it's something that we've done that no one else has done, right? No, there's I don't know of any other company that's releasing safe real software, you know, on a basically near monthly basis um, uh, for any kind of scaled autonomy system. Well, there really aren't, as far as I know, we're still the biggest, largest scale autonomy system in the world. But anyway, it's, it's, we had to sort of invent, how do you think about that? How do you think about the testing and the the automation around that testing so that you maintain your flexibility for innovation uh, while, main, while being responsible and, uh, and operating safely? And so you know, there's a lot of pieces where you kind of have to go back to first principles, uh, there's a lot of where the hiring comes in is like finding people who love taking where they've been and rather than copying what they've done before from a process or mindset point of view, distill its first principles and reapply it to this very new challenge is, uh, you know, a big part of a big part of what we spend all the time doing. Because basically, once you crack that nut, then you can actually make something like this work. Maybe maybe let's actually jump to that. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about balancing engineering and hardware uh, and software engineering hardware. But but I'm kind of curious. You mentioned the, the hiring piece. So. If you go to the website, you'll see, you know, some example of the technology, you'll see a little picture of a gentle uh, a package gently floating back to earth. And, I, and I'm looking, you know, and thinking that seems very complicated. I, I, can, I don't even understand how you guys measure trajectory, wind speed, you know, speed of drops, where it lands, the radius. And you just mentioned, obviously, SpaceX, Boeing, a lot of these companies that have done similar. This seems kind of unique. And you mentioned hiring for people that, are going to be able to actually kind of push past current limitations, current ways things are done. When you're looking for those people, and obviously the the you know you're going back as you know the original 20, 40, 50, 60, there's you need some of that power to kind of come through with, you know to, to that baseline. I mean, how do you evaluate if someone has that characteristic? That is, you know, what you're doing is a little bit even harder than somebody just hiring a you know a DevOps engineer to come in to do something that hasn't been done. Frequently, but this is a whole different ballgame. I mean, the, the, there's a bunch of interview strategies for this. So my favorite one is basically you know, one thing. I'll, one thing I'll do with almost everybody is basically I'm going to ask them to take me through a design that they've done and and go deep, right? Like really teach me something I don't know about in terms of the physics of it or the the you know the, the some aspects of the engineering of it or maybe the testing of it. I mean, whatever's like really hard and something you know, turn into a class like, yeah, hey, this is um, for me. And so one, I want to see how deep that they went in that problem. And then after that, I'm at, you know, basically I ask a question of like, okay, what are your fundamental takeaways that you imagine sort of applying to any future project you do? And I ask them to kind of apply that to, to sort of what they imagine that the challenges at Zipline to be. And the people who are good at that process of taking their experience, distilling it down to kind of the first principles that can be reapplied in really smart ways, you know, th those conversations are so much fun. I learned so much about how to think about the problem, how they will contribute, how they would lend diversity to our thinking about the challenging problems at hand. And I think that like, that's, that's, that's my favorite way to do it. There's, um, you know, that's obviously there's other techniques too. Uh, looking at your resume is a big piece of it, right? Have they, 
have they successfully done a series of weird things that are weird, right? As opposed to like done the same thing over and over in their career. That's a good sign that they're <laughs> wired for this. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, uh, th- those are probably my two favorite indicators of this kind of thing. Uh, to, yeah, to really get that that conviction that, you know. Absolutely. I, I guess as you're kind of building the product, I, I mean, this could be you know previous, current, future. I mean, you guys probably go through different design options, choices, alternatives. There is some trial and error as you're going through through you know, invention of anything. As a leader, when you're going through that process and you're observing someone try different things, obviously you want to give them enough room to to try, you know, go through a trial and error. But also, then you have to have a point of going, we just aren't finding the right thing. Is is that person the right fit? That's that's a lot more art than science, maybe, or maybe there's more science than I know. But how do you how do you evaluate that? Because this is kind of tricky given what you guys do. Ooh, yeah, you're asking the hard questions. Okay, I like this. The, so, so I there's a couple different pieces. Let, let me start with a little bit of our process. So, when we're tackling something new, so our platform two system, this is the precision delivery that um, that was going uh, through a big testing campaign. Now, that, that solution I should mention. So that, that this is a vertical takeoff and landing system. So it has hover rotors and it lowers down this thing we call the droid uh, on on a tether uh, down to the ground to drop the package off and then retract and get out of and get out of there which is it's which which is makes the delivery silent and super precise because that droid is actually actively controlling itself and you know for against gusts of winds and things um and uh, and then it also radically simplifies the safety so when we started the development of this new platform um in in and I guess it was about 2020 um early 2020, we started with a really small team, like literally just a couple of folks, you know, these, and, and these were people that, that, that are wired for this kind of work, right? They have, you, you mentioned there's this common, you know, when you're doing the, so, so okay. So, let me just, so big, big picture, we think of phases, right? So conceptual phase, alpha phase, and detail design phase, conceptual phases, figure out the product. What is the product? Uh, what, and addressing all the core product risks, uh, that, that, um, Alpha phase is really like get the architecture right, uh, and then detail is like actually design the production tent parts and whatnot for it to actually take it to 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 to, to make back to production. Uh, that first phase is really really tricky because you're spending a lot of time with customers. You're going deep with customers, and we have a saying in Zipline: you don't listen to your customers, you understand them. And a design process like that's an important distinction. It's very it's very easy for customers to like tell you some things and and, and whatnot, but like. It's, it's critically important that that core design team and that conceptual phase, they deeply understand their customer. They can they can complete their customer sentences, how they think about it, if they understand them deeply enough. That's how much time they've spent at their sites, getting to know them, making building the relationships, going deep with the customers on data, on the, with the customer's data to really understand what's going on in their world. Um, and, and then, of course, that team is iterating like crazy. And it's it is like most of the actually like all the gates here. These the gates when you're exiting conceptual, it's not a schedule driven gate. It is we the way we talk about it internal to this team is like we have to have confidence that we should bet the company on it, and then we have to create a, we have to pull together enough of a prototype and and all the economics and basically all address all the key risks so that when we turn around to the company and say, hey, company, you know, all the leaders in the company and the board and the company itself, we want to, we, we, we think we should bet the company on this and here's why that's going to go really well. That's our, that's, that's our extra criteria for conceptual. And as you can imagine, you know, along that journey, you'd like that to go pretty fast, but you can't rush it because uh, obviously if you exit with something that's not actually something you bet the company on, well, it's a bad bet. <laughs> so, uh, and this is, and so, you know, I find that that phase 
you need people who are really good at being obsessed with the customer and going deep. They, they need to be really capable of designing across the technologies that are involved in the product. Um, and so, uh, and they need to, they have to have an inherent sense of urgency. Cause again, you can't put an arbitrary date to drive pace. You, they have to want to move fast and want to iterate fast and, um, and have some sense of like how to get the most out of every hour and every day without needing like some kind of external timeline to create that urgency. Um, and so, yeah, this is, th- th- we call this a new products team at Sublime. This is, this is a relatively unique set of, of folks who are able to do that kind of work. Um, and it's, it's, it's a hard, and by the way, it's, it's a hard skill set, but it's, it's, it's no harder than like the production tent design team. It's just very different, right? It's just kind of night and day, if you will, in terms of, um, the, how the different people peak in that, in those different phases. Um, but yeah, so there's, 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 this is the journey where you're trying to figure out like, Hey, you know, you have a thesis of like, Hey, you know, our customers are asking for this. Let's go learn about that. Let's think about, can we address that? Is there a product there? Uh, and then of course, is once we had convicted and we, we had, for platform two, our customers have asking for years, Hey, can you do home delivery at scale? Can you do home delivery metros at scale? And our answer was always no. Like we specialize in Metro to the surrounding areas that like, that's just not what we do. But of course, when your customer asks you enough, you got to start going deeper in that and learning more about that. Um, but this, at the same time, when we started looking into this, it was like, Hey, is there even a product here we'd ever want to ship, right? Because we looked around at like sidewalk robots and other drone solutions and things like that. And they're generally not very precise. They don't deliver to everybody. They're very noisy and not something we actually think we anybody would want at scale. We wouldn't want at scale. Um, and, uh, and or and other fundamental limitations. So like, all right, let's explore this. Let's go deep with the customers to understand this deeply. And let's see if there is a product here that we actually would want to ship. And that's just a lot of iteration, a lot of exploration, a lot of dead ends, <laughs> a lot of things you're like, hey, this is a good idea. You start prototyping it and you're like, you bring it to life. You're kind of like, oof, yeah, don't like this direction, <laughs> you know, and uh, either from a tech risk or uh, more often than not, just from a human you know, experience, customer experience point of view. It's uh, I've worked on a lot of robots in my career. And it's very easy to make robots that most humans will not want to spend time around. <laughs> uh, and uh, creating a, creating an automated thing that actually people want to be around and actually is, uh, let alone is actually safe enough for people to be around. It's, it's a challenging thing to come up with that architecture. And of course, you know, it's easy. You know, it's got to be a great product, technical architecture that, that that is also going to work for the customer and the business economically, which is, uh, you know. I, I guess, yeah, as you're going through these design choices you you have a, a hardware component that that you might be testing and it has its own complexities because obviously as we've talked about you know you're, you guys have to even know about the weather and the tolerances of a you know of, of an airplane you have, you have a lot to go in there and then you have the software component as we've learned through you know the news the last couple of years software within you know flying and, and airplanes is is not easy to get we've seen big companies not do it well when you are looking at both these mixing together, which is the chicken and the egg? Is it a hey, let's 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 work on the hardware, the software comes secondly? Is it parallel? Because it seems like maybe you need the hardware to figure out what the software is, or I, mean, I don't know. What what comes first? It's very much in parallel. And it's sort of you kind of want to break that chicken and egg cycle by saying, hey, what are the biggest risks to this product? They might be a technical risk or a custom, you know, some user experience thing or um, some big schedule risk. You just don't know how hard it'll be to develop certain something. And, and oftentimes what makes that list is not hardware or software. It's both, right? It's, it's a, it's a problem that is both. And a good example of that is, um, that, you know, the, the, the drone, this is, we call it the zip for platform two 
you know, it has to be able to fly and deliver in stormy weather and it has to be able to do it if it has like a rotor out or something like this, which is a level of fault tolerance and robustness in a what's called an eVTOL platform, to use that fine car term, uh, that has never been shipped, that's never been achieved, right, in, in, in actual production product. Uh, and so like, well, that was that was one of these, we identified about eight of these big uh, risks that were cut cut across hardware and software. Uh, and we created a team specifically to work on that as a pretty small team um, that has the controls background, the software background, uh, the prototyping and the aero skills. And they just, they literally worked sort of in their own little world, creating their own prototypes and in their own iteration to, to basically work through the risks of that challenge uh, in parallel to these other eight, uh, the, like the other seven of these eight big, uh, big risks. Uh, and that's really important because if you, if you tie like, uh, you know, a lot of these sort of hardware software worlds, they try to iterate kind of the hardware and software together tied with one big integrated hardware thing. So they'll build like one giant proto and then work on some software and then build another generation of the giant proto and work on some software. And so now you're limited by that giant, that full that full hardware proto coming together. Uh, and that slows everything down a ton, right? Like that 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 world I just described around the vertical takeoff and landing and the hover, uh, transitioning from vertical takeoff to fixed wing flight. That team probably went through dozens of prototypes iterations over a couple of years, uh, which it would, they, it would have been possible for them to go that fast if they had been encumbered by the pace of you know what was needed by another big risk we were trying to burn down. And so I think this is this has been one of my one of my you know I've spent my whole career in hardware plus software projects, and this is you know I, I think treating them as these you know like focus on what the biggest risks and put the hardware software team together that, I, that can move the fastest to a great you know, solution to address that risk always pays off and once those are retired as a word i love to use once those risks you're no longer worried about them anymore basically uh then just get cool now we start bringing those folks into the broader team that's going to make the production tent unified hardware and software system um but in, in that in that early phase you've got to keep them separate uh but again not separate hardware versus software risk versus risk how is the team set up? I guess you talked you talked about you know this this unit. Um, obviously, they might be together to solve certain problems. Are, are these product aligned teams? Are they matrix teams because of the unique skill sets that come into play? So the new products team is a little bit of its own little uh, oddity at this uh, in zipline. In the, in the in the early phase of the of a product, they're leading it. They're very. It's a very. There's a few other folks involved for prototyping and other things, but it's we call it. We think of that as the startup in a startup phase of that, where they're literally everybody involved in that is just not allowed to think about anything else. It's a plan. They have to just focus on that. Um, and then, but then once you get that we, to the end of conceptual phase, we call it the conviction milestone. It's like, hey, we're going to go for this thing. That's the point at which now the, the greater company is getting involved in the architecture work, uh, and now those people that were you know basically kind of focused and independent. Now those people basically engage with all the, all the engineering teams at Zipline to basically start working on the architecture. Um, and that's what's called the alpha phase. And so those the, Zipline, the greater engineering teams at Zipline are organized around basically core systems. So like powertrain, right? From battery to the motor design is one example of that, of that um, group within the greater org. Another example is avionics, which is basically like the core compute uh, and control, uh, electronic control systems. Uh, anyway, there's and there's a handful of other teams, um, and uh, around around these electromechanical hardware systems at the quote low level. So low level for us means low level software is like embedded layer of the software. Um, that's that's how those hardware uh, or mechatronics teams are organized. And then separate from that, we have sort of controls and and autonomy and and these other teams that are a bit independent, if you will, in the org. 
But of course, they can't be very independent from a system perspective. And it's really important that during that alpha phase, there's a lot of working together. There's a lot of literal moving desks where it's like, cool, we need to answer this architectural question. Let's get you know these three folks from this team and these folks in this team to go deep and really iterate on the architecture for this subsystem and come up with the simplest possible possible thing. Yeah, and I, I love this question too about the like, you know, yeah, how do you how do you move forward? And um there's there's this is at the the alpha phase, there we have a bunch of folks who are really good at architecture and have a really broad skill set are good at coming up with the simplest possible solution. And I look a lot to them in the architectural process to basically them. I literally ask them, hey, do you believe this architecture you're working on? Is this a, this a simple, elegant thing we're going to be proud of and love building on top of for the next couple of years? And if the answer is no, we put the brakes on back to the drawing board, keep iterating. <laughs> uh, and this is a really important thing because what we do at Zipline is incredibly complicated, right? So many systems, so much technology. It's incredibly important that every single piece of the puzzle is as simple as it can possibly be, right? And it's always cheaper and faster to put the brakes on at that architectural phase and keep iterating till it's as simple as possible and then go into detail design than it is to kind of be like, oh, let's just go into detail design. It's good enough, right? It's always you know, like a little bit of like, it's that it's kind of like, you know, complexity squared. Every bit of complexity you take out reduces your the work ahead by a ton for a ton of teams, right? And uh, and so you spend a lot of time there. A good example is uh, when we started Architectural Phase Platform 2, our Zip had six rotors, right? And we figured out a way to go down to five rotors. <laughs> and that's a great, that's that's like a, you know, that's a, that's a perfect example of a holy grail. If you can remove that much complexity and moving parts and mass from an aircraft, like we just made our life so much easier going forward. And, uh, and, and the teams came up with that kind of uh, architectural simplification in that phase. Interesting. I, I guess final question for you. Um, you know, a, a product like this where there is a lot of trial and error, there's a lot of, you know, there's different phases, different complexity, lots of complexity. Uh, I, I guess it'd be easy sometimes to, if, if, if I'm working on a project and things aren't going well to kind of maybe lose spirit, even though I'm, I'm, I'm for the mission, but how do you help ensure that 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 level of motivation people are you know realizing that yeah we're going to make a mistake along the way but that's okay it's easy said but then individual contributors easy to also feel like they're letting the team down not executing not you know know, pulling their weight how how do you do that there's a couple i'd say two big things we focus in the early phases in terms of like celebration on you know, basically our speed of learning, right? And so when, some, when someone had an idea, hey, hey, I can prototype this and get some learnings in a week, someone's like, hey, there's something we could do to get 90% of these learnings in a day. We celebrate that like crazy. Um, and uh, and basically, you know, there's all these designs. But when you At the end of the design, they look really brilliant. Like, oh, that's the, no, I can't think of anything better way to do this. But like, you know, that's born of, you know, 999, like, you know, sort of lessons learned quotes, right? Like, uh, you know, basic mistakes along the way, uh, dead ends you found or things you tried. And it, But if you're focusing on that rate of learning, that's how you get to somewhere amazing. Uh, and, and you know, that those are people in leadership positions uh, at Zipline are great at leading teams to, to learn fast and, and, and be really creative in how you learn. That's really important. The second big thing, though, is is honestly kind of simple. It's really just connect the team to the customer, right? Like, and in the conceptual phase, that's easy because that's what the team is spending half their time with customers. Practically, we're just always talking about the customer, talking to the customer on trips to visit the customer, and you know, I think great engineers and great designers, they you know, we just love to be like to do something for an actual human. That's the whole point. It's like, hey, if we can solve it for these people, that's what's really motivating. Um, and by the way, I will say we this is another sort of interview thing we look for is. 
you know, we, we get, I don't hire engineers who just don't want to talk about the technology. We found that the, the most brilliant engineer who doesn't care about the customer and doesn't care about what you're doing for them, like, in theory, they would be, still be great because they're just a brilliant engineer at something. But it turns out, like, what's not imp- what's more important than a brilliant engineer is the simplest possible solution for a customer. And if you care more about the customer, you'll be craving, hey, how do we ship this sooner? How do we make it simpler? How do we, you know, what what's the how do we boil this down a little bit more? Yeah. So today we just asked Cleveland Clinic, and and you know, along the way, as we as these new health systems have joined Zipline or any customer, we love to invite the, their their leadership to our hands and to speak about why you know they're excited and how they're going to use Zipline to to transform what they're doing for their patients and their customers. And so we're basically always looking for these ways to just keep everybody connected to what matters to our customers, both for motivation, but also because we you know. The only way we get this thing done, and we only ever ship product, is if people are just constantly obsessed with like, okay, what matters most to the customer? How do I, how do I simplify? I, this is people always joke with me if I walk into a room, like people now know me very well, so I can walk into a room where someone's debating some some trade. If that debate is academic, they know what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's like, shut up, <laughs> get out, go understand what the customer needs because every trade we make should be based on what matters to the customer. And if you're debating something academically, it means just stop that. Go learn more about the customer around this area and use that to make the trade. There's, you can almost always do that. Um, uh, and um, and you should. And it's a great litmus test. Of like, oh, okay, this this team, you know, we just need to like go spend more time understanding something about what matters to the customer and then use that to, to drive to that simpler solution. And then, of course, once you make decisions that way, then it's really fun to like go build the thing that you have confidence a customer will, will actually, um, you know, love using. That's awesome. I, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to remember, uh, I'm going to remember a lot. I'm going to take away a lot, but this end uh, uh, quote of, of forget everything, go talk to the customer and, and make sure it works for them. I think that should be applied to every business. Obviously you've got that down to science. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing um, a lot, a lot we could have gotten into. I feel like I got to be cognizant of your time, let you get back to solving these amazing problems. Um, if somebody does want to reach out to you, just, to follow up on on something you might have mentioned, what, what is a good way of maybe reaching out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn, and yeah, send me your question as you when you connect with me or whatnot, and I'd be happy to answer questions. I, 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 you know, I've learned a lot of things the hard way, but I've also learned a lot from great mentorship, and I'm always pa- happy to pass it on. So, awesome, awesome. We'll we'll make sure we include that. That's it for the episode. Uh, We'll be back again, different guests, different topic. Until then, uh, two things. One, share this episode with somebody else who actually just wants to learn about hardware, software, design, a cool mission. The product's really amazing. Share it with somebody else. I think uh, you're going to hopefully enjoy this. Um, I I really did. Secondly, like, subscribe, leave a review if you can for the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Until next time. Goodbye.